0: Get me out of this cage, lost in the maze Welcome to Cage Free Voices Radio, an innovative educational entertainment radio show where youth and young adults have the opportunity to reflect, connect, and transcend internal and external barriers. We are your hosts, Bathsheba Smithen, or you can call me Sheba, and Joanne Nelson-Gerbier, or you can call her Miss J. This is part two of Self-Image Resolutions and Intergenerational Collaboration with Bo Maddowacker and Jamail Turner. <laughs> so we're excited to have Bo here with us today. Um, he is exceptional, and he's actually in, enrolled in a military academy. Bo, tell a little, people a little bit about yourself.
1: Hi. Right, um. Well, I'm a current cadet at VMI, Virginia Military Institute. Um. A graduate from and Military Academy. Um. So I've had a lot of ups and downs growing up as a kid and it took me a while to kind of like catch myself but uh it's a work in process but you know as I'm going I'm seeing a lot of progress in myself.
0: Good. So what led you to enroll in a military academy and how has being a part of this institution framed the way in which you see the world?
1: Um first so I did not do well in public schools growing up uh usually well I, I wasn't a lot of troubles started like in middle school so i was uh i got i was expelled a lot and um so my uh freshman year in high school i was sent up to a military school and um i didn't like it at first um terrible um and then and then you know i didn't do well at the first school they sent me to and i came home and and then for some reason, I just woke up one day and said, hey, look, you know, I'm not going back to a public school. Like, I'm not going to stay home. I think the military school had a better discipline, you know, uh, way that I could, I think, you know, figure myself out. So I went back to a different military school, which was Master Nutton. And And uh, from there, I uh, just excelled very well. Um, it took me a long time, though. It was a lot of uh, obstacles in a way. But... Um, it just it just showed me a lot of things that I didn't really know about myself, you know, um I built up a lot of uh, I had a lot of anger built inside me, but I had to like get over a lot of things because I knew i had i had I, it was something in me that just told me that look, you know you're better than what you really think you're you are right now, and um it was it was a few individuals who didn't really give up on me um and it was, it, was, it was one of my uh, math teachers, Mr. P, and uh, one of my mentors, Russell. Well, my parents, of course, but, you know, aside from that, it's just more of like who I'm really dealing with at the time that gave up and didn't give up. So it was kind of like really, really hard. And um, coming home sometimes on, on the weekends and like a bunch of my buddies were like out doing stuff and I couldn't do it because I just knew that. If I went back out there doing stuff, I don't know what the outcome may be. So, I had so,
0: to... So, sorry. Um, question about your your upbringing, and I know you mentioned, you talked about um, you got into a lot of trouble. What kind of trouble did you get into, and why were you so angry?
1: Um, I fought a lot in school growing up, middle school was, um First, when I was growing up in Alexandria, I didn't really get in much trouble till I moved down to Woodbridge Um, I didn't like the place so I was just stubborn in school um, I wasn't happy being in the neighborhood where I was and I didn't really want to adapt to anybody around there and um, it just kind of like it was just me being a knucklehead at the time and so like a lot of things built up and me being so stubborn I didn't think it'll catch up but it eventually did catch up you know and um And like, but, you know, I messed up and like, you know, going to school, you would expect people to say, hey, look, go this route or or do this. It'll be better for you. But I didn't really get that because a few times I got in trouble to begin with. Everybody just kind of like labeled me the, I don't know, the bad kid in school or Mm. I don't know. So like I took that and ran with it. Like they don't like me anyway. So I'm going to do what I want to do. And like you know, the one thing that really affected me, that still kind of bothers me till today, was once um, the principal came up to me, and he said to me like, "Why are you still here? You were supposed what? to be expelled by now." Yeah, he was actually oh. new. Oh, okay. So, so when he when he came to visit the school when he was touring the school. The, the old principal told him about me because I was at lunch and they pulled me out. And then, you know, I met him and he said, yeah, well, he's uh, working, whatever, whatever. And then, and so when he came back two weeks after to actually become the principal of the school, he asked why I was still there. And that right there just, I don't know how I felt about that afterwards. I was just upset. and like. So
0: did you feel like a, like, was there a sense of rejection? What were mm-hmm. you feeling at the time?
1: Yeah, there were it was a big sense of rejection because, um, I remember they would always like, you know, put me out of class. Like sometimes I couldn't go to breakfast because they said I stayed too long in breakfast. So they went and bought the whole um granola bars for me and kept it in the principal's office. So every time I came to school I would go straight to the office instead of going to the calf to go eat. Why were you so hungry? I wasn't so I would just go to breakfast just like everybody else. Yeah. And but I would just eat and just stay there, like you know. <laughs> or I would like walk slowly to the class, you know, depending on what class it was. I had. <laughs> Why
0: were you walking slowly to class? Because
1: I didn't like what was going on. Like I didn't like the subject. Not that I didn't have good grades. It was just more of like I don't know. I just it was I was boring? I was seeking. Yeah, it was born And I was seeking for discipline, but I didn't think that the teachers were paid to discipline students. So say that again. They weren't paid to discipline the students.
0: So you, you, you're you saying, the way I'm interpreting this is that you were looking for
1: structure. I was. And so Did like, you have
0: structure at home?
1: Yeah. Like I was taught to like get up, greet your elders. And, you know, when you see somebody, you approach them and say, hey, hi, how you doing today? You know, you say that you rendered a greeting of the day to, to like somebody, you respect people. See, I was respectful. And like, so sometimes when I would come in a class and I would say something to a teacher and like I I would get like a, neg- a negative feedback, I would just take it as if like, okay, he don't like me, she don't like me or whatever. So I'm going to just do what I want. I'm just going to like, you know, stay in my own lane. But until they crush me, knowing that they will crush me at a certain point because it's their classroom. So I know they they're, they're going to say, well, you can't sit there no more or you can't you know, talk back to me or ask me certain questions. I asked a lot of questions.
0: So you weren't interpreting the, the re, well, whatever reinforcement it was that was coming from teachers, whether it was positive or negative, you weren't interpreting that as structure. You saw it as rejection. How would you say, define structure for me? What exactly were you looking for?
1: Um, I think I, 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 I was looking for somebody to like just understand that it's not all about just hey this is your homework go do this you know it was more of like the little bit you can add to a little kid's life you know what i'm saying like you can always say one or two things to a kid that'll that'll keep their mind like wandering like going and have them want to come back and say you know what i like his class not because it's math or english but because He'll also like teach us how to come to class and say, "Look, you need to be sitting up straight." You know what I'm saying, like. But some teachers really don't care. Like some sometimes you'll be in class like sleeping. Like I could walk in class very late and they wouldn't care. So like I knew they didn't really care. So with them not caring, I was always gonna. I felt like I was winning at a time. So like I, said, I hope
0: every teacher listens to this episode. I hope every teacher hears this because what you're saying is that. You you wanted them There's a quote that says um, People don't want to know What you know Until they know That you care Right And so You wanted to know That your teachers Cared about you Before any other subject And also I mean, what you're talking about is social skills, emerging of social skills with academic skills. Not just oh, now you need to learn math today, and that's all I'm I'm paid to do, right? Because that's what I'm getting from what you're saying is that you felt like a lot of your teachers were only teaching
1: based on what they were paid to teach. All right. And the reason why I mentioned that was because, like, my dad, um, he would say stuff like just us. There's four of us, four boys. So he would always come up and say, look. When you go off to school, when you leave the house and go off to school, I'm not there to watch you. So the parents you have are your teachers. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So like that right there would always ring bell and I'm just thinking like, so are you telling me that the teachers can like yell at me, like, you know what I'm saying? So mm. now I'm looking forward to like if he yells then I know to respect him. If he doesn't come off like this, then I know to say, you know what, this guy is not really gonna do much. Wow. So now I'm gonna be lackadaisical towards him or towards whatever he has to give. You know, so like, that is
0: very interesting. I, I mean, I, I, we we gotta we really need to promote this and play this episode in every school so that so that teachers can see the perspective of young people and how parenting right like because sometimes there's a disconnect between the parents at home oftentimes not sometimes oftentimes there's a disconnect between parents at home and the teachers at school so you're saying the what was the charge that was given to you by your parents was that now these teachers are like your parents where you're at school and you're comparing them to your parents at home and they're not meeting the standard so you're saying because you don't meet this standard then I don't have to respect you.
1: Right, because if you look if you look at every little kid we when you try to like say something to them they're like you're not my dad you can't tell me that you're not my parents you can't you can't tell me this you know what I'm saying it's like who are you to be telling me this you know mm-hmm. and I mean like not saying that you should be out there like you know violating kids or or just you know in people's space but if you show some type of, like, caring towards something, not only what you're just paid for to do, you know, people would be actually a little bit more, like, interested to, like, know, you know, to want to keep up with you, to want to follow along with you, you know. And I just didn't really see that a lot. So I did, you know, become very hard-headed towards a lot of people. And, um, and you know, I wound up with a bunch of referrals. And as that piled up, I was getting kicked out. Back to back, and it followed me along, like, too, too many... I went to so many schools, several schools before I can graduate high school.
0: So so now it makes sense why you ended up in a military academy. Right. Because they provided the structure right. that you needed. So structure to you says, I love you. That's what it <laughs> sounds like. Structure says, and for most kids, even though they... um they they go against the structure they realize structure says i love you i care about you and so moving forward in um in 2017 and thinking about the the structure or the lack of structure in our country what would you say you'd like to see in the united states And and, and I want you to come from the lens of this structure that we're talking about, because a lot of young people are doing some of the very same things that you're talking about. Um, And then adults as well. Do you feel like youth are um, given as much structure as they need? Do you feel or do you feel like they're rebelling because of a lack of structure?
1: I do not. I think it's both. Number one is I don't think that they're being given enough at home because but 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 what it is these days is is people are more so worried about their kids getting, you know, I don't want my kids, I don't want anybody else talking to my kids like that except for me, or I don't want anybody, you mm-hmm. know, trying to correct my kids except for me, and and like as you know, it's it's really affected a lot of people, a lot of youth out there because people go outside and they don't know how to act, they don't know how to respect people. You know, especially younger kids these days, they look at you, they say, well, who are you? You can't tell me this. You can't tell me that. And mind you, not everybody is the same. Not everybody has the same mindset. So they come across people who's not able or not going to tolerate such thing. And then what happens is that person turns around and does something to them. Now, that goes far deep to like, you know, people get killed. People can lose their life over little things.
0: So how do you think adults
1: should respond to this? I think adults should be like, you know... Every, everybody should be able to put hands and like you know and try to put that structure in, in their families first because you you got to start at home before you go outside. So it's like before you leave the house, you know, just know how to approach people, know how to speak to people, be 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 respectful, you know, uh, and like just because somebody's not your dad or mom doesn't mean that they can't give you no advice.
0: Okay, so I'm gonna stop you right there, right, right, right. and I agree with you wholeheartedly. But you just so what. So those who are not par- the parents of these kids, what is their charge? Because you just told me that your parents did all of that. Right. They did all of that. And you went out and you said, these, these adults are not doing the same things, right? right? And so you didn't, you didn't necessarily respect them, right? Um, so what is it that the adults who are in these educational um, institutions, what do they need to be doing in order to keep that structure?
1: I think they need to step up more to to not only be basic teachers. Be be more of like a mentor. You know what I'm saying? Like and and like when you deal with people, know how to deal with people. Don't just deal with people in the sense of like trying to like um, force things into them, or, or 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 just show them stuff and say, okay, if you take this, you take it. If you don't, you don't. That's on you. My job is done. I think people should be able to go a little more extra. Like being able to like deal with people takes up a lot of challenges. You know what I'm saying? Because teachers have a very heavy job towards kids. You know, because it's it's not and when I say this I mean like, you know, high school and below, not college. Because like, you know, To get people to learn what you're doing or what you're teaching them takes a lot because sometimes you may need to challenge yourself and like trying to like not only get them to understand but to show them how to understand stuff. Like sometimes the way you would get this an a student to understand something is a different way to get somebody who's a b student to understand something like you have to like
0: everybody has different
1: different ways of, of learning and yeah. communicating back with you so like you don't have to be one way all the time like you can always step up and say okay you know he learns this way and she learns that way so i'm going to try to like put things in a way where it's like it's more like I want them to like enjoy my teaching not only just come in and be bored in class and and then right. when they, when they, cuz when kids get bored they they tend to like either they they forget stuff they don't want to pay attention or they just doze off on you and and then I mean I would like to be in a teacher whose class is always like my students do well than yeah. to be in a class where the teacher he's like I don't care if they do well or not I still get paid mm-hmm. because that right there just, it kills me inside because I'm like, the, the, why are you here?
0: So so the, so the focus, uh, it sounds like your focus for 2017 and those people listening is in, in the, the realm or the, the sector of education. And you think um, that that's, that's where we need to be honing in our focus. Um, why, why education? And, and I'm going to ask you one more question after this. Why, why, why is education our focus for 2017?
1: Because um, education is not only school-related uh, as much, it it, does, it has to do with uh, a lot of things like um, everything around the world, you know, education can be just gaining some type of wisdom, knowing a little bit about something. Um, so, so education is really important because when you're wise and smart, you can really do a lot, more than you actually believe that you could do, you know, and... Um, It's it's important because as us young people, we want to live life the way we want to live life. But to, to, to live life that way, you have to gain some education. You can't be out here running around wild and get caught up and then regret doing certain stuff. You know?
0: So twenty seventeen years twenty seventeen is the year to educate yourself more so than you have ever done before, especially considering um, the transition in power and everybody's concern for that transition. I love that you you think that is the focus, considering that I'm a, an educator myself. So I I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, so we really want we really want to thank you for coming out and interviewing with us. Um, the last question I would like to ask you is. Is there anything that you want to give artistically to the people? Do you do you have anything poetic that you'd like to say, rap, or anything else, or just something motivational that you want to say to young people?
1: Just one little thing I want to say is um, be know who you are and be yourself, and um, and don't believe in happiness. All right, believe in peace, being joyful in in life, no matter what, because happiness runs with happen. All right, so if Things don't happen for you, then you're not happy. That's and then good. happiness is canceled. You know what I'm saying? But when you're peaceful and joyful, no matter what, you're just living life and you will know how to like roll with anything that comes your way.
0: Thank you so much. It's oh real. my God. So we 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 again we like to thank you for um, interviewing us. We like to thank Impact Hub DC for sponsoring the show, um, and our engineer, Mr. Matthew Ashton, who so graciously engineers today's break. Music was provided by myself, Bathsheba Smithin, or you can call me Sheba. And the theme song we have two of them now downloaded. And insanity We'd also like to thank again Our sponsor Impact Hub For sponsoring this show Thank you for joining us For this amazing episode If you like what you heard Tell your friends To tell their friends To subscribe to the show On iTunes And feel free to get in touch With us at Cagefreevoices.com Remember to see yourself Even if the world is blind Reflect, connect And transcend Every internal And external barrier That will try to cage your voice be
2: cage
0: free we are excited to have with us today mr jamel turner he is a sweetheart i got to meet him at um, the potter's house in dallas and he told me that i was i seem a little bit rude because <laughs> <laughs> why Because I was standoffish, like before I perform, I get to myself. And so everybody else was like kind of connected to one another. And when I finally kind of warmed up and I was done and I was talking to Jamel, he was like, yeah, I thought you may have been a little bit rude. And I said, he's a cool dude, right? He is right, straight up. So we have Jamel Turner with us. He was born and raised in Dallas, Texas. And he knew at a very young age that he had a gift of song, but because his family didn't believe in him, he didn't pursue singing in his youth. Jamel wasn't raised in the church, but the Lord showed him the way. By the age of 20, Jamel realized the gift that was so naturally inside and began going on numerous auditions and being rejected because of his lack of confidence the past 10 years and that's interesting that's part of your bio because that was some of the feedback that was given during the Dallas's Best Competition he is part a a, a, what's what's interesting is that he's a part of T.D. Jakes's Potter's House Choir Um, not only is he a Dallas's Best Contestant he's um, in the musical fine arts so he's a musical fine arts actor at the Potter's House as well and was a featured artist for the, the Potter's House Choir Live recording. So sounds to me like Jamel, although he's male, sounds a little bit like Beyonce because Beyonce has two sides. She's a little shy and then she's very like, out there where she gets ready to perform but ladies and gentlemen we have with us jamel turner jamel say something to the people
3: you know what it's it's just a privilege to be even um asked to you know speak to y'all you know it's just a privilege any opportunity that i have you know it's, it's it's a privilege to just you know tell my testimony encourage people that are out there that you know feel like they don't have it so you know, I'm living proof that, you know, hey, if you just believe in yourself, dreams do happen. So what's up, people? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I, I feel really comfortable with this interview. And so before we get into the first question, I saw you on um the Potter's House stage leading praise and worship, bro. It's,
3: I'm telling you, Bessie, but I'm telling the Lord working. I'm. I'm. It's. It's. Lit, I was just sitting back, like you know, after the Dallas Best performance, um, one of Dr. Jane, well, her assistant, contacted me and uh, wanted me to come and and perform what I performed at Dallas Best uh, for wow. the Thanksgiving Bible study uh, service. So that was just a blessing.
4: God is itself. good.
3: So, yeah, isn't he?
4: Yes, he is. He is. He's always working yeah. behind the scenes. And what blows my. Mind, yeah,
0: he's always working behind the scenes, Joanne. <laughs> what 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 blows my mind, Jamel, is that part of your bio states that you held back because of people's disbelief. How yep. did that transform the way in which you viewed yourself, like people not believing in you?
3: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, at you know, you growing up, you know, you really, really look to the people like your family that loves you, you know, that, you know, care about care about you. You know those are the those are the moments in your life that are foundations, so if they don't believe in you, it's you have a hard time when you are an adult to believe yeah. in yourself, you know because you know I didn't believe in myself. People would state that I sound like, oh my God, you're anointed, you know, um you come on, gift, mm-hmm. you know, but I didn't believe in me, and you know, as I you know began to grow, God revealed to me that the the anointing that he's placed on my gift. I had to go through that ten-year journey to really, really know who he is and trust in him, and don't put my trust in man and people boasting me up, you know. But at that time, people didn't boast me up. God was always around me, encouraging me, you know, taking me step by steps. The nose on the, the auditions, American Idol, Sunday's Best, The Voice, um, all of those, those, those um, auditions were. Um, stepping stones to um, reveal to me the gift that was inside. So at a young age, you know, you hear people telling you no, or you can't sing, or you need to shut up. You 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 will shut up, and you wouldn't, be- you don't believe in yourself. But the ten-year journey, I had to persevere because I knew what God had placed in me, and no man can take it away, and cannot determine or put, um, say, oh you can- you're not good enough, or oh you don't have anything. You know, so now in my life. I'm doing what I love doing and can't no one tell me no now.
0: I know that's right? God. Right. Go ahead. He <laughs> <Jay> is like <laughs> telling it like it is. Tell it yep. like it T I is. so when um I listened to the the, the first interviewee, Bo talked about how He felt the school, the people, the educators didn't support him and he felt rejected by, by them. And what I hear you saying that it's, it's very similar, right? But you're talking Mm -hmm. about your family and your family not believing in you. Yep. Did you find any support in school?
3: Well, no, well in school, you know, growing up, I my family told me I couldn't sing, so I didn't I didn't um, pursue any music. You know, I didn't I didn't wasn't in the choir. Um, I didn't, I didn't do anything, um, really didn't grow up in a musical family. So I really didn't have like the influences. Like a lot of people would say, oh yeah, my mom's song, or she listening to, I mean, she listened to so-and-so, so-and-so. the only thing that I really remember my mom listening to was Mahalia Jackson, but it was, it was brief. It the wasn't upper like room? was like something. Is that Mahalia? Yeah. <laughs> upper room, you know, so <laughs> it wasn't something that was like, you know, it wasn't like, oh, you know, my mom, you know, grew up listening to that. And so it wasn't something that, uh, like I had, um. I had support because I didn't let no one know. And I was really shy, you know, in school too. So I was like, I'm not gonna let anybody know that I could sing. But because I was adopted, we'll get into that's another uh what? interview. Um, when I was adopted, my well, my birth mother always knew I could sing and she she did time in prison. So every time she would call me, she would ask me what um like what song did you create sing something for me you know i will just make up stuff and so my birth mother always had that connection of song that she knew that i could sing and she actually um died um 2007 to be 10 years uh, in uh in 2017 so we had that connection so if i look back at it i would say that she was one of the supporters that always knew that i could sing because she'll ask me so what you singing so what you doing you know so that was the support, but as growing up, I kind of kept it a kept it a secret, so I didn't really tell nobody. Um,
4: oh, thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing. No problem. No problem. Um, but you just mentioned something that was a little deeper about your background. Yep. Yep. So you had a uh, so you were adopted.
3: I was adopted. Um, just a, a snippet. Um, I was adopted at nine at nine months. Well. Technically, my guardian took me in, so I wasn't actually adopted, but my guardian took me in. Um, my guardian or my mother, my mother, I claim as my, I don't like the guardian or my adopted mom. My mom is my mom, but she um, took me in at nine months. She was my birth, my paternal grandmother's best friend. She couldn't have children. So at nine months, she actually, you know, saw me a couple of times, but she stated that it was one point where she she came and got me out of a motel with a rag on and spa milk. My birth mother was 19 when she had me in the streets. My grandmother was on drugs. Um, don't know who my father is. Just kind of put that out there. Um, and um, my birth mother had always known that I could sing. Like, she, she's done time. Um, and she passed in 2007. She swallowed two grams of heroin, which I know to this day that she didn't want to live no more. But it was a time in my life where I wouldn't share that testimony because I was embarrassed by it. Because when you are adopted, you feel like you're not wanted. You try to avoid being talked about. So I kept it a secret for so long. But how God is working in my life and what you go through, it actually, you go through it to help someone else. So in my life now, God is blessing me through the anointing of the gift of what I have. And also to be able to encourage people who were given away, who was uh, unnoticed you know and so basically that's just a part of my testimony I ain't want to keep y'all too long but but that's that's a part of my my uh my testimony
4: well I'm glad you shared it because mm-hmm. for those who are listening they'll be able to relate especially children who were adopted and went you know were born with a lot of adversities and setbacks yep. mm-hmm. so That's deep. That's a whole nother interview. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah,
2: it is. It is.
0: I know that um, I was sharing with another interviewee Mm -hmm. that I can't imagine not knowing or having any kind of connection with my birth mother. Mm -hmm. And... I know it's devastating or has been devastating for me to be without my mother after the age of 18 because, Mm -hmm. and it's not like she's gone. She's still here, Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't have a relationship with her. So I've never shared this, but I'm always like what you were just saying about like you worry if people are going to like, um, if they're going to talk about you, if you're going to, yep. if you're going to be rejected, you have like this yep. dark cloud that you carry <laughs> with you because you didn't get that nurturing in the beginning. And so. Well, yeah. Go ahead.
3: No, the thing is, and, and, and one thing with the dark cloud, like my mom, that took me in love to death. She's staying with me now. I lost my grandmother two years ago. My my Her mom. Um, That's another uh, interview, but um, my mom, she was always um, like, I thank God for, because even though my birth mother went through everything that she went through, I thank God and I never held anything against her because she placed me in the perfect arms and me and my mom relationship was destined. Like my mom, like her spirit, my spirit, she's perfect. She was the perfect mom. She is the perfect mom. So everything that I lacked, I always look at the fact of the the positives and the blessings out of all of the situation rather than dwell, woe is me. And when I tell people these stories, I want you to feel sorry because it's a pain. You know, God had to take me through that time where I did not share my testimony to build me up, to not feel sorry for me and allow myself to praise him in the midst because I always look at the positives out of every situation, you know? And so even though I'm sharing this, I'm not sharing it because I I was, I, I am like, you know, oh my God, you know. Because the thing is, if you never went through it, it is like when you hear it, it's like, oh my God. But at the end of the day, I would not change anything of it. I thank God. Everything that I went through, I thank God for him trusting and allowing me to, to experience a mother's love because that would would if she wasn't there, and I wouldn't have known what it was, but the love of my mom, my grandmother, that God placed me in the right arms and the right hands to allow the gifts to be birthed the way He did. And so I'm just thankful for what he's done and what he continually do for me. So when I tell my story. I'm in a place where I want to encourage people who hold on to the pain in the past, not allowing themselves to get into your word and allow God to use him, use them the way he created you to be used.
0: Yeah. And, um, I'm just thinking about how God brought two people from Mm -hmm. two different parts of the United States together on the Mm -hmm. same stage with very similar experiences. Yep. Both with the feelings yep. of rejection and I know that for me, I use all of that when I minister to be really? able to convey a message so that people can see themselves, even if the world is blind. And so they can see themselves in, in me transforming and allowing myself to come a mirror so they can see themselves yep. in me as well. Yep. So yep. what is your intention when you perform
3: well, my biggest intention when I perform is um I like to I like God to allow me to be used to make a person smile when they don't want to smile no more. When life has been mm. too hard. People, you know, all like it life can be a bad like a very, very dark place, which it is, you know, in today's society what we're going through. But I like to be that light and I wanna be
2: used in a
3: way where People are at the lowest of lows. But when God allows me to get up on that stage, I want them to see a smile. I am just like you. No matter if I'm on a stage, if I'm on Bishop T D Jake's stage, if I'm at right. if I'm at a church with just two members, I want someone to be to to feel. And one thing about me, and people think it's so weird, like I like um like hospice or funerals. People say, I don't oh, I don't like singing at funerals, but I, to be honest, out of any place that I perform, I prefer, I'm not saying I prefer, because I mean, any, I'm not saying I want people to die, you know, but <laughs> I, I like the fact of, you know, being able to go into a funeral and God allowed me to shift the atmosphere mm-hmm. rather than looking at it as a very, very devastating time. If you believe that you have a place that's better than this, we need to be rejoicing for real. That's and so right. my biggest thing is I can sing a song, I Need You Now, by smoking Norfolk. And and one time I did it at my cousin's funeral, and I was so surprised the whole church came up to accept God.
2: You know, wow. as, as the Lord.
3: and I was like, wow. You know, and I was glad. like, that's my calling, is to be yeah. able to touch the people, really, and care about them enough to be able to bring out that emotion and allow them to revere, to see that that emotion is, is, is a birthing, is labor to birth something great out of them.
0: Right. And um, I think that it's important that we capture that, right? What you're yeah. talking about right now is being able to go into those dark places, places where most people don't want to frequent and yeah. bringing light. I remember when I was um, when I first got divorced, um, I, I took this divorce care class and yeah. it was so gloomy. It was so gloomy. Everybody was like extremely the down. There were people who were, you know, mm-hmm. had been divorced for like 15, 18 years. And they were still in the same mind frame and mm-hmm. hurt by the loss. And I just, you know, I was still, I, I thought I was devastated. But what the guy said to me was,
2: mm-hmm.
0: he said, I, I missed like a day or so. And he said, we missed you you keep it light and you bring light. See? And I yeah. and I thought about that and I said, because I was over there just being myself and saying, yep. girl, you know what?
2: You tight, girl.
0: Stop worrying about that dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, all jokes aside, but even in yeah. being ourselves, if we are lights, we're supposed mm-hmm. to be able to go into those places and use yep. whatever God has given us yeah. to bring hope to to everyone else. And so I want I want you to talk about how you use that light to bring hope to not just everyone, but to mm-hmm. the younger generation.
3: So how do I use light um towards the younger generation? Yeah. Okay. Um the way I use light um towards the younger generation is allowing them to feel that there's no now, it's, it's, it's a difference of level, and God has allowed me to be able to do this to be able to have a level of respect, or they respect you, the younger generation, but also let them know that you are accessible and you're not so authoritative. Like, come not on. So, Got to do this. Therefore, you have to be able to smile with them, they have to trust you. So at the end of the day, like, my biggest thing is, you know, I still work out. You know, I'm, I just hit 30, you know. So I'm still trying to work out, make sure everything, you know, knees don't go on, go out on me. So, <laughs> you know, still, hey, hey, hey. still be youthful and lively. And so just like when I was a part of um, the the last Christmas production at the Potter's House, it was a lot of young, young men there. And uh, they just draw near me because of the light, the smile, the 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 more, more like I I can I can come down to I'm not just because I'm older than you. Um I'm living life and I want you to realize that I can learn something from you too because we all have different walks of life. So when you kind of allow yourself to put aside your authoritative role of I can do this or I know or I live longer than you. Then they'll respect you more, and they don't want to be around you. So when it comes to light, I always have a big smile on my face. I'm always what the? and then I'm goofy. Too. <laughs> so it's like I'm not always serious. So you got to allow yourself to be accessible to them.
0: That's right. I I, I hope a lot of people are listening to this, and Bo talked about this as well. That just that need mm-hmm. for young people to be able to connect with mm-hmm. the the older generation to be accessible, yeah.
4: as you're saying. But you know what? The older generation need to admit that they had some setbacks and they made their mistakes too. That's right. You know, Mm -hmm. and I feel if younger people are not, if they don't feel you being honest with them, they're not going to open up.
0: They're not. They're not gonna open up, and that's what I love about. There's this organization um, that my sister has. It's called Real Women, and it's talking about. It's it's about being authentic right. and genuine, and creating a safe space for for adults, for for women, and for young women as well, so that you could be able to connect and see. You know, like this is what my life was yep. like, right? Um, and, and but before we can do that, right, we need that safe space for women where women can come and say, let me, let me unpack this. Let me, let me get rid of some of this baggage. Let me face some of it in my forties, in my thirties, in my Mm fifties. So that when I get ready to connect with other people in particular, um, because we're talking about young people, once we do that, then we can connect with them because this is an intergenerational episode we're talking about how can we go to the next level how can we change Mm -hmm. things here in in our nation and ultimately Mm -hmm. the world because those people are going to go out into the world Mm -hmm. and change the world Mm -hmm. so which is
4: which is why i'm so happy that he shared his testimony because can you imagine if he had caged that all in and never let it out because his family told him he couldn't sing but now he's bold and walking into his purpose and God is opening doors for him. Yeah.
0: Imagine how many people, how different the world would be if people were cage-free. Oh my yep. gosh, Miss J. You about to have me in this joy Um, So, um, Jamel, last question. With mm-hmm. uh, So there are a great deal of people who have that same mindset you had when you were younger because they are worried mm-hmm. about people not believing in them. And- yep not just talking about young people. Some people Mm -hmm. who are older have that mindset right now. They feel stuck Mm -hmm. in a rut and they're concerned about society and what society says about our transition and leadership. And so they're Mm -hmm. finding it difficult to move forward because of what others believe. So what Mm -hmm. would you say to them? How can they Mm -hmm. overcome when they feel the odds may be stacked against them?
3: Well, one thing that I would say in regards to um, um, all odds in society and how, you know, how people can allow society to just really, really be heavy. And I've been there. Um, But the the most the most important thing that you want to do if you are in that season or you in that place right now is you have to um, allow yourself to. um, Sometimes you have to fast from social media. Sometimes you have to fast from the news. Sometimes because the enemy, he knows. He knows what you're dealing with. He knows he want to keep you um, where you are. He don't want to, uh, you know, he, he's going to do whatever he can to make sure you don't um, reach your full potential. But one thing you want to do is you want to get into your word and you want to have your own personal relationship no matter where you are in life. No matter if you're 19 years old, no matter if you're, you're, you're of the world, but you know that God is working in your life. You have to seclude yourself and you may have to go through an isolation state where you need to just deal with you and you need to just call on the father because he created you. Man didn't create you. Society did not, did not create you, but these different factors of life and in the world, it's used to attack and it's used to make us think, okay, we're not good enough. uh, We hear a no um, you go and audition. You get that one. No, it's about perseverance. So one thing you have to do is you have to seclude yourself from everything else. And you need to get really, really in your prayer, and cl- in your closet, wherever you go, wherever you need to be with the most high where he can direct your path because nobody can direct your path. and He knows. So that's the only thing that I was saying, only based on my experience, it really works. Or well, you just get to yourself and if you're whatever your gifts is, if you got to sing because you have to minister to yourself before you minister to anybody
2: else, even
3: as a leader, you have to be able to build that confidence with you in Christ. So you need to take time to humble yourself, speak to Christ. Sometimes you have to serve. Even leaders have to serve and understand and then grow and learn different because you don't know it by yourself. So God will allow you to be in other people's lives. Maybe their are leaders. You can learn from them. Then you move on. But what you got to do, number one, is you have to learn. You have to just coach your mind in the blood of Jesus, get into your word and speak to God, have dialogues with him, not with people, not with society, not watching news, not watching where you are in life. You have to connect.
0: That's right. Um, And and, and what you're talking about is being able to see Mm -hmm. when everybody else can't see. Yep. And, that, and that's the idea of being a visionary. A visionary is somebody who has vision. They can yep. see what everybody else doesn't. So everybody else is seeing with the natural eye. It's like the story yep. of, um, I think it was Elisha, the prophet Elisha. And yeah. he had to tell the servant, he said, um, you, Lord, open up this boy's eyes. Like open up his eyes so he can see Mm -hmm. that those who are with us are more than those who are against us. Right. And so, so many of us are focused on what we see with our natural eyes and we're bringing in all of the, the, the media and the, the news, everything that we're seeing that we cannot see.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. We're thinking that we're seeing, but we're not seeing. So when there is no vision the people perish, yes. And when people had no vision, guess what, Jamel? You and I and Miss J and everybody else who is considered a visionary, including the engineer hosting this Mm -hmm. joint, we need to be eyeglasses. Mm -hmm. Let's go. (laughs) We need to give them the lenses to keep going. And so we... We just thank you and I think the last question Ms Jay gonna take over right here she she wants to find out something from you, um Jamel yeah, so Jamel, what makes
4: you cage free
3: What makes me cage free uh you know what what makes me cage free free Let me think about that um uh, what really really makes me cage free is the fact that um I'm determined. And I persevere no matter what. And um, I've been through too much worrying about what everybody else thinks. And my biggest thing is to serve the most high. And no one's going to stand in my way to do that, whether that be um, me singing at the potter's house. Thank God for the platform. But I believe you can share the gift of God anywhere you go. So one thing that makes me cage free is that I'm not living up to man's standard. I'm living up to the to the most high standard, my father's standard. So therefore, I don't have nothing holding me back no more.
4: Beautiful, well said.
2: Hmm. Yep.
0: So thank you so much, JaVale. We'd like to no thank problem, Impact. Man. Up uh, DC for sponsoring this show. But before we do all our thank yous, I want uh Jabelle, can you sing us out
3: this joint? Oh my see, there you go. Okay, you, <laughs> how long do I got?
0: <laughs> uh you got um give us a minute worth.
3: Okay, a minute worth.
0: Twenty seconds. Twenty okay. seconds.
3: Twenty seconds. Okay, I'm gonna sing I Love You More. It's a song that I wrote. You heard it before, Bashib. I did I love song. it. Okay, um, Okay, make sure the voice, okay. Okay.
2: When I saw you, stressed upon the cross, I knew you were the one for me, for me, I could tell. How you bled for me? I was destroyed, but your love saved me. But I'm going to love, to love. I can't pay you back, oh. but I'm going to love you more, love you more, love you more each day. I will be here for you. I will
0: be here for you. Yeah, save me, save me, save me. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Jamel Turner <laughs> straight out of Dallas, Texas that and the great. Potter's House. Um, yeah. Thank you again, Jamel we oh, like wow. to thank Impact Hub DC for sponsoring the show and our engineer, yeah. Mr. Matthew Ashton, who so graciously engineers today's music was provided by your girl, Bathsheba, or you can call me Sheba. Um, and the theme, our theme songs are downloaded in Insanity. Again, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Impact Hub DC. And we would like to thank you all for joining us for this amazing episode. If you like what you heard, tell your friends and tell your friends to tell their friends to subscribe to the show on iTunes. And feel free to get in touch with us at cagefreevoices.com. Remember to see yourself even if the world is blind. Reflect, connect, and transcend every barrier that will try
2: to cage your voice. B cage free